Hi, I'm Fred Berg, and welcome to Stratfor's Essential Geopolitics Podcast. I'm here today with Thomas Abihana, and we're going to be talking about the uh, U.S.-Taliban peace talks. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Thomas. Thanks for having me, Fred. What's the latest status of the U.S.-Taliban peace talks? So over the last week, we've had announcements from both the Taliban and then senior U.S. officials that substantial progress has been made. Uh, the Taliban's deputy spokesman, I believe is his title, actually said over the weekend that negotiations had concluded and that they um, were moving forward on peace talks. We've had statements from President Trump, from Defense Secretary Esper, and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, all saying that substantial progress had been made. And they all gave a, a relative like two-week time span for when a peace deal would actually be signed between the U.S. and the Taliban. Um, both of them put that, they said about two weeks or the end of the month. So it's about the same. Thomas, it seems like uh, we've been in Afghanistan forever. Mm-hmm. And so why, do, why should we care about these peace talks? Well, honestly, you just gave one of the reasons that we care is because it's officially America's longest war. We've been up, we've been there, the U.S. has been there for coming up on 20 years now. Yeah. Um, there have been estimates that I've seen are something between $700 billion that have been spent there. Uh, over 2,000 American lives have been lost. And that's a lot of blood and treasure to spend yeah. in place. And um, when you put all of that time, effort, manpower, resources, you want to return on that. And so securing the peace there um, is an important thing for the U.S. Um, from a domestic U.S. politics standpoint, um, ending, uh, if you want to call it endless wars, was one of President Trump's main campaign promises. Right. And so that could actually play into the 2020 election. Um, and I would say another point there um, would be one of the reasons the U.S. got involved in the first place was because of al-Qaeda's presence there. Sure. Um, and so ensuring that al-Qaeda does not have the base to launch, pardon the pun, right. al-Qaeda means the base in Arabic, um, does not have a base to launch another 9-11 type attack is, one, the reason we spent all that blood and treasure in the first place. Now, what are you looking for going forward with these peace talks? What are some of the tripwires that you would highlight or when you're sitting back in the analyst pen watching Afghanistan? So it's not an exaggeration to say that there are a few pitfalls or potential pitfalls in these negotiations. Uh, There are a million different ways they could go south. uh, And there are, in addition to the important... um, signposts or, I guess, factors that we were watching for. There are other, I guess, second and third order effects that we're looking for going forward. Uh, The first thing we're looking at is what the U.S. and Taliban called a seven-day reduction in violence. They said only after, if we can secure that seven-day reduction in violence, then we can sign the peace deal. And once you get the peace deal, that doesn't actually end the war. It's just the first of, let's say, about 17,000 steps in ending the war. Um, After you get that initial peace deal between the U.S. and the Taliban, if they are actually able to get it, then you have intra-Afghan talks. So that's the government of Afghanistan talking with the Taliban and figuring out, hey, how are we going to end the dispute between us, not just the dispute between the U.S. and the Taliban? And that part gets even more complicated because yesterday you had the results of the Afghan presidential elections be announced. The winner, Ghani, 
uh, is the incumbent president, the primary opponent, Abdullah Abdullah, said, I reject the results. I'm going to set up my own government. And by the way, uh, election officials, they can't leave the country because I don't trust them. Wow. So if you don't have a united Afghan government in order to do those intra-Afghan talks, that could prolong the talks. Or derail. Derail the talks, um, make the U.S. get more involved, or um, from the U.S.'s perspective, a negative thing, give the Taliban the upper hand. If you have one side that's united and another side that's divided and squabbling amongst themselves, um, then that has that advantage. Um, Two other things that we're going to be watching for, and this is more middle to long term, is the U.S. military footprint in Afghanistan. Right now, there are about 13,000 troops. Uh, Reports that came out over the weekend indicated the U.S. wants to keep around 8,000 troops there focused on counterterrorism missions. That's a pretty big drawdown. It it is, and especially from the over 100,000, I believe, we had during the surge um, in the first Obama administration. Uh, However, I mean, 8,000 troops is still 8,000 troops. That's that's not a handful. Uh, And you still have the Taliban coming out and saying, we want a complete withdrawal of all forces. So that's still a potential sticking point between the U.S. and the Taliban, uh, and one of the key pitfalls where the peace talks could go awry. What's some of the international actors watching this uh, saying about this? For example, the Pakistanis or the Russians? A lot of the key regional players do have an interest. You pointed out several, Pakistan, Russia, China, Iran, All of them are watching to see how this goes. Now, obviously, on the surface, everyone's going to say, we want peace. Um, We want a diplomatic solution to the the ongoing conflict. However, some of the players actually prefer the U.S. to be bogged down in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. Because if the U.S. is spending blood and treasure in Afghanistan, that's fewer troops, fewer manpower, fewer resources that can have to spend elsewhere, potentially in competition with... China or Russia. Right. Um, it's a place where Iran has funded militant groups uh, to include the Taliban. So um, there, all that to say, there's a lot of international interest, regional interest in Afghanistan uh, to see how that goes. And then the, the last point I'll make is when you're looking at the Taliban, they aren't a monolithic entity either. Mm-hmm. So One of the potential implications of the U.S. and the Taliban actually signing a peace deal is more hardline factions of the Taliban saying, we don't want peace. We just fought for 18 years, 19 years now, um, to expel the U.S. forces. And if a part of the agreement does not include the full withdrawal of U.S. forces, you could see factions of the Taliban splinter away, um, form their own groups. Uh, We're going to bring another international player into the fold potentially is the Islamic State, or ISIS. Uh, in Afghanistan, there was actually called ISK, or Khorasan. And so that was actually originally formed out of breakaway fighters who broke away from the Taliban. Now, they suffered pretty substantial defeats uh, at the end of 2019. However, it still commands hundreds of fighters that could potentially carry out uh, attacks, kidnappings, things of that nature. So if you do have the Taliban begin to splinter, that could allow the Islamic State to grow and resurge in Afghanistan. Yeah, and that's not a good outcome for anybody. No, absolutely not. Well, thank you, Thomas. For those of you interested in Thomas's thoughts and our other analysts on the region, 
please uh, visit stratfor.com slash subscribe.